Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues today. It's a special day for me because it's a special guest. He's a friend of mine. He's a bandmate. He's one of the first people I played out with as an older adult, and his name is John Bulo. He's a singer, songwriter, and actor, and he's our guest today from Afton, Missouri. But first, we want to talk about this. I was talking to a friend of mine who about my brother's couple's workbook. It's called Two Years After Forever. It's sort of a guide to improve your communication skills, which, as anyone that's ever been in relationships know, is crucial. So we spoke a little later in the conversation. I mentioned the book again. Two Years After Forever is the name of the book I told you my brother wrote, and she interrupts me. She goes, oh, your brother's book. I thought you meant a book you borrowed from your brother. Three little words, my brother's book, two entirely different interpretations. Well, in Two Years After Forever, there are exercises that help you form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that one. Along with your partner, learning and applying these exercises help you get back on track to why two years ago, maybe. You pledged a life together forever. Two years after forever. Two years after forever.com and available at Amazon today. Two years after forever. Available today and forever. So, how do you live up to that expectation, John, or that build up, I guess? John Vulo, our guest today here on the Music of America podcast. John, singer, songwriter, actor, and the first guy I played out with in public as an adult. Uh, an older adult, you know, an after kids kind of adult, almost, I guess, how else you would phrase that. But uh, let's talk about the experience, how you and I first met playing music together. Well, uh, as I remember it, uh, we both uh, attended the same uh, church and uh, there was a a fish fry. They always had fish fries during Lent and uh, you were playing guitar with a neighbor of mine. And uh, I said, hey, guys, I play guitar. Can I come up and play with you? You know, they said, yeah. So uh, that's that's my first recollection. We started doing that, and then you invited me to your house. Now, I hadn't played with anybody since high school. You know, I mean, I had always just played uh, by myself, uh, doing theater all those years and backstage and stuff like that, parties. Uh, but I hadn't played in a band since I was in high school. And then I come over to your house, and there's all this electric equipment. The other thing was I was used to playing acoustic stuff right right and uh you know there were great guitar players and and that kind of thing and and you asked me do you play bass and i said well i never really messed with it but i do know notes and uh so i started doing that with you and i turned out i loved that thing and i went out and bought a bass and then i started getting better at it you know and and then uh i don't know how we got into modern vintage. Oh yeah. Well, yes, I guess uh, we had that one day that we were doing a jam session and the five of us got up on stage. And then after that, we talked about uh, forming a band, didn't we? Isn't that how my, that worked? My, my 50th birthday party at the 10 mile house in Athens. Yes. Yeah. And it was an open jam and I had different people come up and I had these kids that used to hang out at right. my house because I had cute daughters. Yes. <laughs> And these guys were now college-age kids in their 20s. We got together and started jamming, and you showed up and uh, got up on stage with us. And, you know, we were yeah. just kind of working our way around stuff, finding our way around each other, you know, right. trying to find each other on the stage, as they say, you know. And then we did, and then we came together on a couple of songs, and it was fun. So, yeah, I, rem- I remember it exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah. So- then, then we started playing. What did we play out for two and a half years? Well, our first gig wasn't even Modern Vintage, if you recall. It was well, America's yeah. Most Wanted. We played at the right. St. Louis County Fair and Air Show. Yeah, different drummer, but the same. Everything else was the same. And and yeah. a friend of ours, Rich Neiman, who you, you jam with sometimes, and you yeah. write with. Do you and Rich write together? or is it? No, no, not really. Okay, yeah. so we'll get to that in a minute. But so then you met Joe Mendel, though, through that. Because yes. that's how I met Joe Mendel. And Joe Mendel is not one of your songwriting partners. Right, right. Okay. So let's talk about you. How did you first get started? You said you played in a high school band. Did you always, were you a guitar player? Were you a drummer? Were you a saxophone player? Going way back. I mean, I'm talking, I'm kind of an old guy. So I'm talking 60 years ago. I did it like a lot of, a lot of uh, musicians of the sixties did. I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, uh, Ed Sullivan 
That's and so funny it. how many times some I hear that. Show. Yeah. I mean, that I'm sure. And I've heard it time and time again. I go, yeah, I did it like that. You know, and uh, I saw those guys on a Sunday night. Monday, we went to school. I was in sixth grade. And uh, all the girls were talking about John, Paul, and George, and Ringo, you know, and we're like, mm -hmm. hey. <laughs> on the way home, there were about six of us walk, guys walking home, and we're going, hey, why don't we get our parents to let us take guitar lessons or some lessons? You know, one wanted to be a drummer. And uh, so that's how it started for me, you know, is, is I took I took about six months of lessons, and I got tired of, of you know, trying to read music. And uh, what I got uh, uh guitar oh yeah. okay okay yeah i played drums a little bit because my brother was a drummer and uh he was seven years older than me and when he was done with the drums i'd sit down and pluck, pluck around so by the time i was playing guitar i already could play drums a little bit you know uh -huh. and then um and and this is sixth grade so you're what 12 13 years old yeah yeah yeah, yeah i was 12 12 years old well, i think yeah. 11 actually is when i got started wow. but, but then i started playing you know like in garage bands you know not in anything that we ever played out or made money and we just we just played around and that's how right. i learned you know really the six months of lessons you know what i learned i learned notes which allowed me to do what i did with with modern vintage you know oh, okay that's I always made that connection. It was like, well, yeah, I, I knew how to play notes, you know, but I learned how to play guitar by being in garage bands with with uh, mm -hmm. other other buddies and stuff like that. This was really gonna. This is really gonna be a tough one. But do you remember the first song you actually played, full song with a band all the way through, or a solo that you played all by uh, yourself? It was probably Louis Louis or something like that, yeah, you know. Yeah played that we played satisfaction that was an early one. Oh know? wow okay yeah uh, uh you remember the band name well the only band name i remember that actually ever did anything in high school was the bitter end oh uh, that's a cool name yeah that was a pretty cool name and but that by that time i i had moved uh, from chicago to the, uh the suburbs of chicago and uh, i was playing with my cousin and uh he had a a buddy who taught me a lot about playing chords and stuff like that. Uh, Matt was an excellent uh, lead guitar player. You know, yeah. I played rhythm. I never, I never was that much of a lead player. I'm, I'm actually, you know what? I still am learning. You know, I it's, mm -hmm. that instrument is something that you can just. I mean, you know yourself. You you just keep on doing it, and right. uh, every now and then you go, oh, now I can do that that I wasn't able to do before. You know, I, I think of like doctors and and attorneys. They practice medicine. They practice yeah. law. Yeah. I'm practicing all the time yeah. on guitar, yeah. and I'm too. just never. I'm never going to be a Bill Landry. Yeah. I'm never, never going to be a Tom Eckert. These are just people that we know, and right. they they will say I'm never going to be an Eddie Van Halen or Steve Vai or Joe exactly. Ramos. Exactly. You know. So exactly. to, to quote a guy, I quote periodically, a friend of mine that I knew up in Kirchville, he told me one time, he said, well, Tom, there's always going to be pickers gooder than you and worser than you. <laughs> yeah, I'm always, if I do, if I am up on stage, I'm always worried that the everybody in the audience is know I'm a fake. <laughs> <laughs> so w when did you stop playing? Well, I never stopped playing, but I, uh, my but, but idea. Then, then let me try it a different way. Instead of stop playing, what? What made you not pursue it professionally? Kind of I, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, when I got into high school, my junior year, my parents had moved me from the city of Chicago to the suburbs, and that was a real hard move for me. It was like going, you know, from the big city right. to the frontier. This is what I felt <laughs> like. You know, I told my friends in the city, "Yeah, I think I'm shooting Indians outside my backyard." You know? Yeah, we hitched up the wagon and moved from <laughs> Chicago out to yeah. Rockford. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, one that far, but <laughs> yeah, we lived in Lagrange. But um, the uh, uh, the thing that did it for me was my first. I, I came there as a sophomore. And I went from a school that was three hundred kids to to uh, twelve hundred kids in my graduating class. Three hundred wow. kids in my graduating class to uh, you know twelve hundred, and I was like a fish out of water. The only person I knew was my cousin. He was the same age as I, and uh, you know we we. Um, had similar interests with music he actually became a, a composer and a, a music teacher and all that sort of thing he went the straight route but uh there was when, a there was another guy that you went to high school that was kind of had some uh he comes later fame. oh okay yeah, okay yeah. okay so uh yeah the uh 
the thing that did it for me was a teacher had said to me, why don't you come out for our summer theater workshop class? And I was like, I don't want to do theater, you know? And he yeah. goes, well, you know, we have fun. We do a show. We do, you know, we, we build the sets and uh, uh, we go to, we go to Canada. And I was like, you go to Canada. Oh, I want to do that. So I signed up for that. And uh, I got that summer, I got bit by the theater bug so hard. No that, that, became, that became my my focus and music took second place after that so did you so, start acting like acting acting like did you take a, yeah. a lead role right out of the gate or did you no, no i the first two shows i was in i had like two lines you know because uh -huh. i you know i nobody knew me at the school and no you know but by the third time by the third show i had gotten a lead and then i was off to the races you know but yeah. uh, but it doesn't matter what size the part is i mean it's just uh I, I always took it seriously and looked at it, uh, and I knew that that's what I wanted to go to college to pursue. Always played guitar, but just after that, I never played in another band until I met you, you know? Right. Uh, and and I always just kept my guitar. I'd, I'd hit it for, you know, six months at a time, then I'd put it down for six months, and then I'd pick it up. And, you know, I always played, but <clears throat> there was, for a long time, I didn't focus on it. And, uh, yeah, what you were saying about the person I knew, uh, yeah, I went to high school with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, work, working under that shadow might be a little intimidating to some people. Well, no, actually he was just, he was just a regular guy. He was, an, he's, he was a nice guy. I think he still is a nice guy. Uh, and then I went to college with Jim Belushi, but, uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those guys went out to California. I decided to, stay. well, I moved to St. Louis eventually. Yeah. And that is where I where i make my living so yeah yeah i, I taught theater for uh, actually it was a second career for me because i got married the first time i got married and uh uh got into business you know and i did that for 23 years i was in sales and management and then uh you know i'd, I'd gotten divorced and my my wife now that we've been married for going on 31 years december 31st and uh at some point I'd gotten downsized from, I think I was in my forties. I got downsized uh, from a company I was with and I'd been with them for 16 years. And uh, I, I stayed in the industry I was in for another five years or so. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm really burned out. And, and she had a really good job making good money. And she said, I said, I think I want to go back to school get a master's degree and, and teach theater, you know? And she said, Oh, go ahead. So I did it. And uh, where'd you, you get know, your master's at Lindenwood University in St. Louis? And, uh, yeah, in St. Louis. And really, I kind of wanted to, I wanted to just be a professional actor, I just wanted to work at it professionally because I'd done it for amateur for years and years and years. And uh, you know, I wanted the, prof the professional credentials and things like that. But the master's degree is what led me to teaching, I didn't even know I wanted to teach, you know. And uh, and then I found, well, you know, I, I've been doing this theater stuff for you know. 25 years at that time yeah. you know I'm, i think i've got a few things i can tell these kids you know and so uh i started doing that i started working uh d doing some um uh, theater you know more professional theater in st louis and then i got my equity card which is the union for actors mm -hmm. and uh, and i started teaching i started directing and you know all that stuff started happening for me all at once and then i met while i was doing all that I got involved in the murder mystery dinner theater stuff that I've been doing now for the last 25 years. Yeah. Uh, and while I was doing all that, directing plays, acting in plays, teaching theater, I met you. Sorry <laughs> about started, that. And it went downhill from there. <laughs> it was just, well, I'm saying that brought music back to me, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, and the bass and stuff. And, and then when I retired from all that, that's when I said, you know what? <clears throat> I want to focus on my music now, uh -huh. you know? And that's when I, I started, uh, you know, getting, you had moved away and uh, I started bringing guys in the house that I didn't know just to get, to get, you know, I, I, well, seriously, I mean, I'd gone online and said, Hey, you know, I've got a basement all set up, you know, if anybody wants to come and jam, you know? And so I met different musicians that way. And, uh, you know, we formed it's, a couple of bands. We go ahead. Well, I was just wondering when you started, because it, it seems to me like the creative people that I run into on this podcast, you were a, a, an actor and a musician and 
And so you want to try other creative avenues. You started a, your own business, a murder mystery company. You write your own plays, yeah. which are which are really fun, by the way. And yeah. uh, and Thank then you started writing music. Or had you always been writing music, da- music dabbling in that? Or is that something more oh, that, a current passion? That's that's uh, that's where we are in the story. Because the bottom line is, uh, when I retired and I said I wanted to focus more on my music. Yeah. I took a, a song. I had written four songs in my life. Okay. Uh-huh. And I took a class at uh, the community college, Merrimack Community College here in St. Louis. And it was a, by, a, guy, a guy by the name of uh, Kevin Rennick. And he had a really interesting story. He taught the class. And he had a really interesting story. He had uh, written a song called Up in the Air. And then they decided to make a movie called Up in the Air neither one of those was connected to the other thing, you know, uh-huh. and he went to a symposium where the director, cause a lot of that movie was shot in St. Louis. And, and he uh, went to a symposium with the, the director and he raised his hand during the question and answer period and said, uh, I've got a song that I wrote called up in the air. I'd like you to listen to it. And this was like 2008. I think the movie came out with two in 2010. It was with George Clooney. Yeah. Yeah. And Anna Kendrick. And uh, so anyway, uh, he gives the guy, it's, it's 2008, and he gives the guy a cassette. And, it, you know, by that time, that technology had gone and, and moved on to something right, else. Right. You know? to all he had was a cassette. Yeah, all he had was a cassette. And, and you know, the director said, well, I don't even know if I've got anything I could play this on. And uh, he, <laughs> he, he's like, well, give it to me. He goes, you never know. Well, the bottom line is he, did, he the next day, his buddy had a cassette player in his car. He stuck it in the car. He bought the thing for the movie. Oh, so, wow. So Kevin, you know, made a lot of money off of his, his one song, song. Yeah. one song that was in that movie. And that, that got his thing started. So that was an interesting story. Well, <clears throat> he had given us an assignment in the first class and uh that i took from him and he he said you know here's 25 phrases that could be a line in a song Uh none of these relate to any of the others pick four that you think make some sense put them together and you know write a verse and then if you feel like it write a second verse you know and if you want to throw a chorus and throw a chorus you know, if you want to put some chords to it, do that. So he just gave us, you know. Like so, an open palette, almost like. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's palette. some paper. Here's some different kinds of brushes and different textures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's some different paints. Yeah. Exactly. So then, you know, bring it to class next time. Okay. So I come home and I write this song. And uh, so I bring it to class and he, he doesn't mention it. You know, he doesn't mention the assignment. You know, he's going through everything else. He's not mentioning the assignment. And uh, so... F- Finally, someone said, uh, you know, uh, we've got the, I've got this, the stuff I put together. He goes, did anybody else have something? I said, well, I, I, I wrote a song, you know, and, uh, and then I started saying, well, now listen, I don't sing real well. I don't, you know, but here you go. Here's what you do, you know? Well, this guy listened to the song and this is one of the songs you're going to play today. And um, he really made me he he built me up. He made me feel confident about my, that I, my singing was, you know, I had a different voice than someone else, you know, but it was my voice mm-hmm. and he really liked the song. And we ended up actually making a, uh, an album in that class called Time to Write a Song. And it's got, <laughs> I think there's funny. 11, there's 11 different uh, musicians on that. It, w- it was a good class. There were a lot of so people that were which good. Which song was it that, uh, that was a slow turn of the wheel. Well, that's we've got it here. So why don't we play yeah. that right now? Okay. Okay. John Vulo is our guest here on the Music of America podcast. The first song of his we're going to play is what song he's just talking about. It's called Another Slow Turn of the Wheel. Have you ever felt dread in the middle of the night? Sometimes you're sure something's not right It's just another slow turn of the wheel Just want to know what's false and what's real 
read the news, it gives me a pain in my head. Five people shot, the shooter is dead. It's just another slow turn of the wheel. Must do something, gotta make an appeal. When will the violence ever end? Politicians stand up for the citizens. The same old stories are happening time and again. You do nothing to make the nightmare end. on over it's time for a change our old leaders are playing a dangerous game it's just another slow turn of the wheel hanging on to power is their only deal Mother grieves at the loss of her son Died of an overdose, he was 21 It's just another slow turn of the wheel Our youth are dying because of your stinking deal When will the violence ever end? Politicians stand up for the citizens The same old stories are happening time and again You do nothing to make the nightmare end Have you ever felt dread in the middle of the night? Sometimes you're sure that something's not right It's just another slow turn of the wheel It's just another slow turn of the wheel It's just another slow turn of the wheel. Another slow turn of the wheel. Music of America podcast guest today, John Vulo from Afton, Missouri. Afton, just outside of St. Louis. And we'll be back to talk with John Vulo in a little bit. Hey, bass players like John, bass players, listen up. The bag. It's a high-quality leather gig bag family of products that are handmade in the United States with the finest craftsmanship a beautiful, sophisticated, very cool overall appearance. They're made of some of the finest quality leather and cushion available and meant to literally last you a lifetime. I mean, a lifetime, all right? They've got over 30 years in the leather industry and are extremely proud to introduce this whole line of gig bags targeted to the skilled professional as well as the fun-seeking novice. Their hope is that you'll love the bag as much as they do. The bag. From Tony Vaughn Bass Bags, you can find them on Sweetwater. You can find them at Musician's Run. But to really get a good look at them, go to their Facebook page, Tony Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N, Tony Vaughn Bass Bags, or just The Bag. So, John Christmas, birthday, whatever, just mention to your wife, The Bag. It's a really, really cool gig bag, and it's all leather, and uh, Tony Vaughn's a real cool dude big bass player up in boston and and uh just do what i can to help him so make, hmm. i'm gonna make you feel guilty for not having one now <laughs> i wrote down the name yeah oh, there you go okay <laughs> so john vulo our guest here in the music of america podcast john and i played the band together for a couple of years uh we still get together and jam we still uh we have a mutual friend that john writes with now so john went from uh garage band to theater 
to back into music off and on, off and on, playing the guitar a little bit, to being in a band with me, to being in a blues band, right? You're yeah. a country band now, right? Yeah, now a country band, yeah. And you're, but most of your music focus right now is on songwriting. That's what we were talking about. We just played the first one of the first songs that you submitted. Uh, tell me your songwriting process. Like in that case, it was real easy. A guy said, "Here's some things. Put it together. It's pro- up, you know." Right. Here's a project put together. When you yeah. sit down and decide you want to write, what is your process like there? Do you write music? Do you write lyrics? Do you do it both? Or what do you usually yeah, do? Yeah, it, it can go either way. I mean, uh, I do sometimes in the middle of the night, something will pop in my head. It may be a phrase. It, it may be, you know, a rhythm or something like that. Yeah. I'll get up right then and there and go to my phone and and start writing and sometimes it comes out the first draft comes out at that sitting you know uh-huh. and i'll write the words okay other times i might be messing around with my guitar and some little riff will come up and i'll go oh that's kind of interesting and i'll record it and maybe that's all i do at that point in time and then i come back to it later and i either have some words that i go oh, these words will work with that riff or i'm going to put that riff in this song you know, so it happens both ways. It can sometimes be the music, but I'd say very often it's it's the words. And sometimes I'll write words and I'll just write them. And then I forgot I wrote them, but I've got them in my phone. <laughs> and I'll, I'll that, you'll scroll through your yeah. phone and say, what is yeah. this? Oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually uh, I've actually written a couple songs that way. Um, you know, go go back to it. And then I and then I focus on it, you know, well, and you mentioned Joe. And what Joe and I do is we'll get together and uh, sometimes we'll give each other an an assignment. You know, like um, one time I said, look, you know, let's look around this room. I'll take half the room. You take the other half and just write down anything that strikes your fancy is what you think might might be a good title for a song, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we'll do that and then we'll come back and we'll write it. I know one of my songs is is that way. It's called a consortium. Well, it's uh, I forget what the name of the song is, but but it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of a blues. Well, see, that's the thing. I told you I wrote four songs yeah. before I took that class. I've got like probably fifty five or sixty now. You know, wow. that I've written in the last four years. So, uh, but anyway, um, another thing that Joe and I will do is. Uh, he he came with a story one time and and he he said you know i want to write a song about these two women that that don't like each other that work on an assembly line or something like that together that's funny because joe was was a factory assembly line yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. right so we sat down and uh i said okay you you go write what you think the story should be i'll write what i think we sat for about a half an hour and neither one of us came up with something and i said well you know what let's sleep on it you know and so we did that. And uh, the next day I came I had the whole thing written, you know, and um, then we got together and Joe would take it and he would look at what I'd written and suggest things. Sometimes I write, I write stuff that's uh, got too many words to it, you know? Yeah. And Joe's really good at editing that and, and cutting it down for me. Um, yeah. I'm and- good at cutting it down a different way. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's why we just jam now. That's right. Instead of writing. <laughs> yeah, but you're one of my closest friends, so I'm stuck right. with you. But so you <laughs> when, when you corroborate, that's kind of neat that, you know, you go over here, I'll come yeah. over here and yeah. see, and then you come up with something together. So you have to work together. You can't, right. you can't just own it yourself. You have to share that piece of work. Exactly. With exactly. And the other thing when you're doing that, you have to be open to the other person's ideas. Yeah. You, you can't say no no it's got to be this way you know you gotta if you're going to collaborate with somebody you've got to have an open mind and be able to accept their offer you know do you like that style of writing more than writing by yourself uh, uh no not necessarily no i i write i write more stuff by myself than i do with with somebody you right know? well actually, joe's the only one i write with um but uh i guess uh, it's just it's a different experience a different creative process I'll tell you, I'll tell, yeah i'll tell you yeah, and it's always different with Joe and I. I mean, sometimes we've written one song, and I think we played it at that one uh, gig that we did not too long ago. Yeah, with yeah, with Margaret, know. my Margaret yeah. party. Yeah, right, your Margaret party. That one song. There was a song we wrote, and what we did there was, I said, "You write a line, I'll write a line." 
You know, so he wrote uh -huh. down a line. I wrote the next line. He wrote the next line. I wrote the next line. So we didn't know where the song was going. And then when we finished it, it was it was in pretty good shape. You know, yeah. I'll usually put the music to it and the uh, and the um, you know the melody and stuff like that. And and we write the words together, and um, and then I'll, I'll usually sing it. Is your but, body of work? consistently about something like if you look at your 50 60 songs and broke them down and said so many of this so many of this so many of this is there a like a, a theme that runs through a lot of them yeah i i noticed that two of the songs sometimes you know like slow turn of the wheel somebody could say is a little bit political uh -huh. uh, i wasn't thinking about that when i wrote it but it is kind of a political song you know and i've got maybe four or five of those that speak to that um Two of the songs that we're you're going to listen to today are kind of, uh, you know, looking to saying, you know, keep keep moving forward, keep doing positive mm -hmm. things. You know, it's not over yet. You know, keep doing it. So I think I'm talking about myself in some of those songs. I'm and going, you know, yeah, bunch, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny because the next the next song we're going to play is this is a fun songwriter story that someone shared with me on the podcast. Uh, there was a guy who was a Nashville musician, had a record contract, he toured and blah, blah, blah. And then he didn't get his contract renewed. Mm -hmm. And he watched his money going like this and this and this. And he's sitting at the uh, at the table drinking whiskey with his agent one day. And they're trying to figure out the music industry. And, and his agent says, man, I just I just want to put the bottle to my head and pull the trigger. No, there's, there's, a, and there's a, a whiskey a lullaby. Whiskey lullaby oh, wow. was written from that one line. And the guy makes more money yeah. off one song than he ever made as a recording artist. So it, it makes me think that it's never too late. Yeah. There you so, go. That's, that's the next song. <laughs> that's the next song. So what is that about? What is it's never too late? Is that, is that, uh, you said it's a little like self, uh, like an auto, it's autobiographical, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I guess so. I didn't think about it at the time when I wrote it, but I, I look back about it. I go, yeah, well, that's, I guess, about how I think about things sometimes, you know, because yeah. I, I do think it's never too late. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, 71 years old and I'm still looking to the future and saying, I'm, there's stuff I want to do. And, you know, yeah. it's not not too late you know the hell with what anybody says you know about how old i am i know what's, what's I cool too this is audio only people can't see how really old you look i mean john you <laughs> <laughs> uh, john does a gig it's as as santa claus so during holiday season he grows this big white beard all right? Yeah, right but but not seeing you if you close your eyes and listen to your voice you sound like you're in your 30s man you know <laughs> so and your singing voice comes across that way too so it's really never too late yeah, you know, especially if you're a writer, correct? There you go. There you go. So let's yeah. give it a listen. Our guest today, John Bulo from Afton, Missouri, a suburb of St. Louis. We might talk about suburbs in St. Louis a little bit, but right now we want to talk about music, our guest and his song. The song is called It's Never Too Late here on the Music of America podcast. There were times you were lost and confused You paid the price many times You felt yourself used Yet every time your mind was steeped in numbing doubt You found a way to pick yourself up and get yourself out It's hard for a body to know what they want We all have dreams put off by life's hurried taunt You go in circles trying to stay on top But the grind you aren't ties you in a knot It's hard for a body to know what they want mind is clouded with all there is to do As if a shrouded net upon your head is covering you The world moves so fast it's hard to stop and enjoy The gifts you hold within yourself waiting to be employed 
When will you jump off the merry-go-round? It's just spinning you round and round And it's holding you back here on the ground You've been carrying the heavy sack Now it's time for you to get it all back It's never too late to turn it all around Remember what you've done so many times before When life got tough you picked yourself up off the floor now you're racing like a runaway train The life you're living is driving you insane It's never too late to turn it all around When will you jump off the merry-go-round? It's just spinning you round and round And it's holding you back here on the ground You've been carrying the heavy sack Now it's time for you to get it all back It's never too late to turn it all around Yeah, it's never too late to turn it all around Yeah, it's never too late to turn it all around It's Never Too Late, our guest John Bulo, Music America Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. B. Normous Productions has been producing and recording music and videos for over 20 years. After years as a performer, the owner, Van Verhoeven, decided to get back to that which he loves the most, and that's production. After tutelage under Jordan Valeria, he opened his own place in Millican, Colorado. High-end instruments, high-end tools are on hand to make you sound and look as professional as possible. So go make some videos. Go make some records at B. Normus Productions. That's the letter B, Normus Productions. They're on Facebook or at bnormusproductions.com. John, so we yes. were talking about songwriting. We talked about Joe a little bit. And uh, then just now I did this commercial about video production. Have you done videos or, or, and, and I know you've recorded stuff at, you know, at your home studio. Have you actually gone into a studio and recorded? Yeah, well, uh, the first uh, song you played was done in a studio. And uh, the next one you're going to play is also in a studio. And th the one that we just played. Um, the first was, one? Well, all three of them were uh, done in studio. Okay. Uh, two different studios. And, okay. Uh, but the, uh, the, the second one that you played, that one was done with, it's a, a kind of a rough cut. I, I don't have any other music on there but me playing guitar and singing you mm -hmm. know one thing that i have to think hard about at times is what else can be in a song you know like what other things could be added to there, like lead part or you know a flute or a fiddle or you know piano whatever <clears throat> sometimes i'll do that at home mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll put stuff together but i don't mix really well you know and i'm using just online free software, you know, yeah, use yeah. Reaper. And uh, it allows me to record as many tracks as I want. Sometimes I'll put, you know, different harmonies on there. I'll add a guitar lead, but I would like to get better musicians that are more, that can play lead better than I can play. You know, yeah, I've talked to a lot of musicians that when they go into studio, they're a, uh, their producer, they rely on their producer to be as, as integral to the band as the band members themselves. Right. Right. You know, that's, that, that he's got to be as good as my drummer. He's got to be as good as my bass yeah. player. He's got to be as good as my vocalist or whatever. And a lot of these guys are, and it's not just the guys in Nashville. It's not just the guys yeah. in Austin or LA. It's the yeah. guys like B Normous production up in Millican, Colorado, that he'll sit there and say, let's try something here and let's play. It's never too late, but I want to have a cello in the background. Yeah. One. And then we mix that in and then you listen to it and you say, Hey, I really like that, but only in the chorus. And that's the yeah. kind of stuff I think is really, really cool about production. Yeah. Me, me too. I, I, and you know, the same thing for theater, it's, it's a collective art. You know, when I yeah. direct a play, 
you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the director of the show. It's my idea, my, my vision, that sort of thing. But, you know, I don't do the lights. I've got a lighting guy. That's I've right. got That's a good point. sound guy. I, you know, I've got a musical director that, and all together, we put that together. Well, it's the same thing with music. And, um, but I haven't gotten to that point except on the, the two songs that were on the album that was actually produced. We had a producer and uh, you know, some of the ideas that are in that, those songs were, came uh, from the producer. Like uh, we haven't played uh, look of uh, the uh, realm of possibility yet, but there's a bongo thing in there. I would not have chosen that necessarily, but <clears throat> the producer thought it would be a good idea to do that in the song. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a version of it. I'd, I'd sometime like to record a different version of that with with some other sounds in it than than bongos. But it, yeah. it, it, it works with the bongos, you know. That'd be one of those but, things, too, you could actually send to a production company and say, here's here's something I'm working with. Yeah. Do you want to add something to this? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm not a producer. I don't know if they do that or not. I, I mean, I, I, I know in producing my own show now, <laughs> how, how painstakingly time consuming it can be yeah. at times right. when, uh, when you've got like the guys I talked to you about before the show, before we started broadcasting, it's there are times when it's just really difficult and editing can take you twice as long as the actual interview, for yeah. example, you know, well, uh, they'll, do, they'll do anything as long as you pay for it. Well, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Have, uh, so you said album, are these two like, it's never too late and realm of possibilities. Are they on an, on a CD on an album, an, LP, yes. an EP or a full album no, or what? No, it's, it's a CD. It's a, a full CD. How many and, songs? Uh, I think there's 11 songs on there. Only two wow. of them are mine because that's the one oh, that okay. we did in the class, you know, gotcha. and it was, it was actually paid for. Part of it was paid for by the, the university, by the college. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but there were enough, there was enough talent in that class that Kevin wanted to, produce an album with us and so we we did that and that's the two songs two of the three songs that you're hearing today were on that album no. now my other music i've got all this music i haven't done much with it you know other than recorded it and keep thinking i'm going to do something with this <laughs> you <know? laughs> you've got some songs on some site that you get rated on i can't remember what that was and you've sent them to me a couple of times to listen to what is that yeah Oh boy, I because I stopped messing with that for a while, but uh, I can't remember the name of it either. But it, it there are sites out there where you can go on and put your music on there, and I did it for a while. And the interesting thing apart about that is, it really gives you a perspective and gives you encouragement because there's people out there that become your fans. Yeah. You know, they'll yeah. they'll like your music. And they'll they'll say, oh, I'm looking forward to hear something else from you, you know. And then I get into something else, and I get away from doing that. And I, you know, you got to do it pretty consistently uh -huh. to to get rated. And you got to listen to other people's songs and rate them, you know. And if you don't do that, then you kind of fall off the platform. Have and you then, posted any of your music on Spotify or Reverb Nation, uh, Bandcamp, any of those? No, no, I haven't done that. But Reverb Nation is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Uh -huh. Yeah, I haven't done that with my songs yet. Um, I'm kind of in a place right now where I'm really busy. But I, as I look to 2024, that's that's kind of like a direction I'd like to go is is to develop my songs more, get in the studio, really yeah. firm things up. Right now, what I'm doing is I'm going back to my catalog and I'm I'm re-recording everything to get a a clean rough cut yeah. that i can and decide which which songs are really ready to go to the next step and which ones need more work sometimes they need rewriting you know what's whatever. that what's that process in your head work like or, or look like how does that work let's just take realm of possibilities like it's out there now yeah that one I'm, that one's finished as far as but let's say it wasn't let's say it wasn't yeah. what would you hear in that song say i need to i need to do something different yeah, well, you know, I I think that you can add different uh, string instruments to it. Maybe a, maybe a piano, maybe an organ. You know, maybe drums okay. instead of bongos. You know, uh, so adding adding different instruments or dynamics, not necessarily yeah. rewriting a lyric or rewriting well, a, a or a, or maybe instead <clears throat> of singing it this way, let's do it in three four. Exactly, 
No, okay. you could do it. Yeah. That, and in some songs I've done that with. I have one song that uh, it, it's a song called uh, The Over Under. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, let's do The Over Under. It's kind of like a, a, a little bit of a rock song, you know? Yeah. And I, I was messing with it. I've got, you know, we talk about Tom uh, Eckert and, uh, and Steve come over to the house and we work on some of my music, some of the original stuff. And uh, we kept on going round and round with the song. I was like, eh, it's okay. Oh, it sounds like bro you mean brother, brother Steve Drummer Man. Brother Steve the Drummer Man, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> when uh, they come over, we're working on this song. And they go, yeah, it sounds like everything, you know, everything else I've ever heard, you know. And then Steve left and Tom was there with me. And Tom had a guitar that he was looking at to buy. And it was a hollow body. And, you know, I've got a hollow body too. But I picked up the, his guitar and I started playing it differently than we had played it. And I started singing it differently than I had sung it. And Tom goes, that's how this song should go. You know, uh -huh. and I agreed with him and, and I recorded it now. And uh, then I, I put it on Reaper and I added background vocals to it. I added a guitar part to it, I, you know, um, and it's still a work in progress. But, yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to find the right rhythm. And, and, you know, on all any song I've written, you could do it a million different ways. You know, I had a songwriter tell me sometimes the song has to find you like the song uh -huh. is it's out there in the universe. Right. And you're kind of looking for it, but the song wants to find you because yeah. that song knows that you can do what that song wants to be doing. Right. And I thought that's right. a real cool image that yeah. I, I, you think of this like cosmic place that we're in and your spirit is kind of floating around out there looking for a song. Well, that song is doing the same damn thing. It's like, right. where's, where's Joe? Where's John? Where's Tom? You know? I'm also always looking for, you know, I think that if I, you know, I don't think of myself as recording these things. I'm thinking like I could give this to somebody who could really sing well, you know, and uh -huh. see what I could do with it, you know. So with your songwriting style, this is a fun question that my brother Mike brought up before. With your songwriting style, who would you like to get a call from that says, I want to do this song of yours? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Uh well, it probably there are, there are no wrong answers. Yeah, yeah, it'd probably be somebody uh, like uh, somebody like uh, Crosby or Stills and Nash. Crosby's dead, but Stills Nash. And, yeah, I mean those yeah. guys. Yeah, uh, those I would have thought are, Dylan with Dylan. You I would have thought Dylan. Yeah, Dylan is somebody I think about a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How about uh, yeah. deceased? You said so. So uh, David Crosby would dig. I thought George Harrison would be somebody George who writes a similar style of Harrison, Harrison sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh some of the songs, uh, you know, not Jim Croce, but uh um oh who's the guy that wrote uh John Denver? No, he he was uh, the, the the taxi. He wrote the taxi. Oh, Harry song. Chapin. Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I got a couple of songs that, that I think really fit well with him, you know. That that yeah. just opened up my eyes so much i never put you and chapin together but now when i hear your songs and if i start thinking chapin that yeah. makes so much sense now john yeah. to me it, it gives me a lot of clarity and, and you know i don't really think about it right i don't think about like but I if i song. if i had to match up a songwriting style i think i think chapin absolutely nails it because i've yeah. always thought eh, maybe a little bit like dylan but maybe not and chapin is more flowery with his words. He's maybe a little more verbose, you know, yeah. says in more sentences or says in more words that right. something that Petty would say, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of your style. Like you, you, you'll say a whole right. thing of what you want to say instead of trying to flower it yeah. up with a couple of words. And, and sometimes I tell stories too. And I think that's my theater background. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I create characters in my songs and, and, you know, tell, tell a story. So the, the realm of possibilities, I remember you told me about that. I believe this is the one you told me about. And I think that kind of does that. It's, was this the incident with, with your son, Michael? No, that was, uh, no, that's a song that, uh, we didn't play today. Uh, okay. Okay. Then tell us about the realm of possibilities. It's the other song that you wrote in that class, right? Right. And, uh, yeah. and it's available well, on that CD. That one started off with a riff. You know, I had that riff going mm. that you'll hear the song. And uh, th that just kind of, I just started writing the song. And it's its just kind of my style of writing songs about, you know, thinking positively about yourself and maybe what I was going through at the time, you know, that, that it 
everything can come together. Everything's out there for you. Just just go ahead and take your chance and shoot for it. Shoot for yeah. the stars. And that's kind of what that song is about. But, uh, you know, I, I can't remember how the words came about. It was one of those things that I sit, sat down, like I was saying, and I wrote those words. I had the riff, uh -huh. and I wrote those words in the middle of the night, and then that became the song, you know. That's so cool. The song yeah. is called The Realm of Possibilities. Our guest, John Vulo from St. Louis, Missouri, or Afton, if you would. And we're going to give it a listen right now here on the Music of America podcast, The Realm of Possibilities. Look over the hill Just beyond the green scenery You can change if you will it's in the realm of possibility It's not too late To expand your fate Make a new start Renew your heart Climb up the mountain Change your trajectory from the fountain It's in the realm of possibility Explore your mind For inspiration The world's a looking glass Seek out collaboration It doesn't matter what people say Think you're wasting your time that way Be the master of your own fate Break on through to the open gate No hesitation No regrets still cooking and you're not done yet it's not too late to expand your fate make a new start renew your heart this time to take a new direction Listen to your thoughts and reflections The time is passing like a marathon run You got a lot to say before your day is done Unlock your mind Create the next chapter's plot Drop the sad and sorry Leave it on the parking lot Keep your eyes open There's lots to observe Stay sharp, stay focused Don't lose your nerve There's time to take a new direction just listen to your thoughts and reflections The time is passing like a marathon run You've got a lot to say before your day is done Look over the hill Beyond the green scenery You can change if you will It's in the realm of possibility You can change if you will It's in the realm of possibility You can change if you will It's in the realm of possibility The Realm of Possibilities with our guest today, John Vulo. John, it's been fun. It's a uh, pleasure having a friend and co-bandmate and a uh, jam buddy on here uh this last last 
section of the show we call shameless self-promotion. This is usually when an artist will talk about, well, you can buy my songs here at Spotify. You can buy my CD at, you know, CD, da, 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 or you can go online, you can this and that, or I've got these shows coming up. Well, that's not really your thing, but you have so many things you're involved with. So in shameless self-promotion, like between now and Christmas, you're Santa, right? Yeah. But you're also in a band and right. you're also recording. So let's talk about you and how we can support you if we happen to be in St. Louis, and how we can support some of your work, and then tell us what's coming up for you in 24. All right. Well, uh, like Tom says, I'm 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 a Santa on the Polar Express in St. Louis. Uh, that's a fun gig. It's fun playing with the kids. I also do private shows with that kind of thing, and uh, book people book me for their homes or their businesses or to take pictures with uh, Santa, that kind of thing. So it's kind of fun for that. And then, and then uh, I'm also playing in a, a band uh, called High, High Noon. I play bass. It's a country band, which I'd never played country music before. Didn't know I liked country music. Matter of fact, thought I didn't like country music. And then I got in this band and I started listening to country music and I go, oh man, that's a good song. Poor guy. He lost his truck. He lost his wife. <laughs> you know, he's, he's drinking, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but, but it's good music and it's a good, really good country band. I'm really proud to be part of them. And uh, then, uh, so we'll be playing uh, in December uh, at a place called Stovall's. And I think we're going to be playing at the Pacific Opera House, too. They're looking for us in December yet. We haven't booked the date yet, but uh, they'll be doing that. And that'll be going into next year. Uh, and then I do murder mystery shows. I've, I've got uh, talk uh, about show. Talk about those for a moment, because people do come in from uh, all around the country and looking for something to do in St. Louis. This yeah. podcast goes around the country. Right. Uh, tell us about that, that murder mystery theater. I've been to a few, and they're fun, but tell us about them. Yeah, well, I, I write interactive murder mystery shows, and what I mean by interactive is it's my partner and I, you know, two actors, and then we write about twenty parts for the audience. They're not large parts, you know. There may be a scene, or maybe even just a couple of lines, but you throw that together, and it's always based on some comedy. Somebody gets murdered, you know, but it's always we do it for the comedy, yeah. and uh, we go off script all the time. We have a ball with the audience. The audience comes away just saying oh we love it we have a lot of return customers uh for years i did it at a place called the bissell mansion dinner theater but unfortunately covid killed that place and you know they went out of business but my partner and i had written you know we each between us we'd each written probably 25 shows and so we owned those shows so and we always booked ourselves also so now we're in arcadia missouri every month and we've been doing that for about five years and you and, toured before not really toured tour oh, yeah. but you've, you've gone well, out of town we, for shows oh yeah we've done shows in new york city we've done shows yeah. in we one of the shows we do we we do a, a lucy a i love lucy kind of show you know i play yeah. Ricky ricardo and my partner plays lucy and uh we did that in Jamestown, New York. A group brought us up there to, which is Lucy's hometown. Oh, and, how uh, fun! I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that was that was a real blast. That was a real blast. And we did. Uh, we also do our Archie Bunker and Edith Bunker, and we did that on a show called All in the Mafia Family in New York City. <laughs> I think the audience was the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you saw John Gotti going there. He yeah. can't refuse this man anything. He, he's a he good was, comedian. <laughs> he was, a, he was, uh, there was a character, John Gotti, John Gotta Goatee, we call him. Oh, <laughs> John Gotta Goatee. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and like there's a Don Cur Curleone, we call him instead of Don Corleone. Uh -huh. And uh, this guy gets up and he kisses me on both cheeks while I'm playing Archie Bunker, you know, and stuff. And it's, a lot of, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, we do we do shows. We'll, we'll go wherever anybody books us, you know. Um, I've gone both coasts doing shows, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, 2024 in the songwriting room, what's going on? Uh, 2024 in the songwriting room, I think what I'm going to be doing is, like I think I said a little bit before, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record everything that I've got. I want to mm -hmm. focus on that. Uh, just get a rough cut of it and then decide, okay, what do I want to start with to take it to the studio? And, uh, 
you know, start to throw some ideas around finding musicians or working with the studio's musicians to uh, see what some of these songs can turn into. Each of yeah. these songs that we heard today are great, great. Thank you. Album titles. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? So when yeah. will we see a John Vulo CD release party? Oh, boy. Why don't we set a date of of October of 2024? Okay. There, set it online. There we go. Yeah. And I'm not going to hold you to that either. Okay, don't. <laughs> you, know how, you know how I can be. <laughs> I know how life can be. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> John, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you again for coming on the show, man. It's been Thanks for having me. All right, man. That's good. John Vulo, our guest today on the Music of America podcast. Join us tomorrow. Uh, Dave Beardsley, when John and I were in a band together, we needed a, a website. And Dave Beardsley designed our website. Well, now Dave Beardsley runs the Soulard B3 Blues Festival every year. He helped organize a blues museum in downtown St. Louis. The guy is just busier now that he's retired. And he's going to be on tomorrow to talk specifically about the Soulard Blues B3 Festival. It's Dave Beardsley, tomorrow, on the Music of America podcast. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.